Beards for Radio. Podcast sponsored by Farbar. I'm Joe. I'm Sasha. And um, we got week one of college football in the books. We got week one of the NFL sneaking up on us like a lion. <laughs> um, but I actually want to get this out of the way. Since our last episode, we got new trailers for the Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix and Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So, um, if you want to dish on one of those first, uh, take your pick, my man. Oh, um, I, I'm ecstatic about Joker because we've been talking about Joker for a damn near mm-hmm. year now, and everyone's still on this, oh, Heath Ledger is the best Joker. And he, don't get me wrong, Heath Ledger was amazing, amazing in the Dark Knights. But you can't sit here and say, and say that, you know, just because Heath Ledger did great that no one else can pick up the mantle of the Joker. Um, I think that's absolutely wrong. Um, we've been touting this Joker uh, movie for a, a while now. We like the directions they're going with it. It's that it's dark, dismal, hopeless feeling you get from DC comics. And especially if you're in the city of Gotham, you, you want that. Yeah. Want that feel? I mean, we got we got that feel in um '89 Batman. Um, in my opinion, we got that feel with Nolan's Batman's, and I feel like this is is also going to be another one. Now, what is great about this was um this movie got standing ovations, and I believe at the Venice uh, Film Festival, um, rot- Rotten Tomatoes, even though a lot of people don't like you know critic critiquing. 9.7 they got on rocket uh, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Now Rotten Tomatoes to me has a pretty good track record on choosing whether they like what flops and what nots. The percentages to me are pretty mm. on point. So 9.7 that makes me even more ecstatic to see it. Um, like I said, I'm a big fan of Martin Scorsese and uh, and Taxi Driver and The King of Comedy were both Martin Scorsese movies, and they're strongly, strongly, strongly influence this movie. So, you know, if, if people really know, you know, th- th- uh, anything about, you know, cinema and movies, I mean, it's Martin Scorsese, bro. When has that guy yeah. ever made something bad? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I'm saying that because he's not part of this movie, but he is so such a big part of this movie. Right. But not he, he, part of it, you know what I'm saying? Influence wise. So. Uh, yeah, it's obvious how much he influenced. And Joaquin Phoenix is one of those actors that, lives in the role like he's he's like a method actor kind of yes almost like what's his face daniel day lewis you know daniel day lewis yeah. plays its parts you know when daniel day lewis played uh my favorite part was when he played the uh the butcher in um in gangs in new york and also when yeah. he uh when he played uh what's his face god this is gonna this is killing me too i'll, I'll think about it but yeah he's like a method a method actor like daniel day lewis they get into it and you can't help but you know be admire admire that you know what I'm saying you know especially especially such a, a a strong villain like the Joker who I think is probably the best villain in comic book history you know what I'm saying and, to, and to bring, go ahead and you you touched on Heath Ledger too like obviously his, his performance was great but it's kind of like everybody's impression of the Joker has been unchanged since Heath Ledger like Jared Leto was just like the douchebag version of Heath Ledger's Joker you know like everybody's Joker voice is kind of like that gargly kind of like back of the throat talking. And I, I think what we're seeing from Joaquin Phoenix is like, you know, the makeup, the clown makeup is neat. You know, he's like a character, whereas Joe, Heath Ledger, he was like intentionally messy, like like it was like half-hearted makeup 
job. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, they, they just made him look so like sloppy. Yeah, but you know, I think I think Joaquin's gonna be his own Joker. He's not gonna have that voice. You know, he's not gonna have a Heath Ledger Joker voice. You know, which a lot of people have been trying to emulate since. You know, that's why Jack Nicholson and Mark Hamill and Cesar Romero just are among the best. You know, absolutely. And and you just Joe, Joe took the words right out of my mouth because you asked me, no one that has a better Joker voice than Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill Hamill's Joker. When Mark Hamill talks in Joker's voice, that's to me is Joker's voice. I I I like like think now think think of Joker's voice. I think of Mark Hamill. I think of Mark right. Hamill. I, I think of him talking. He's such a great great like um God, I'm going I'm going blank today. He's such a great like um voiceover actor. And, and man, his his Joker voice is to me is what should be sought after for a Joker voice? Yeah, and that's who I grew up with as the Joker. Right. You know, I'm, I was a kid watching the animated Batman series and the movies. Um, you know, Jack Nicholson and Mark Hamill. You know, two people who really brought it to the Joker, and then Heath Ledger. He changed the game. He. But this is also the first time we're going to see Joker on screen, independent of Batman. Batman has almost nothing to do with this film from what I've heard. Right. And, um, and they're giving, they're already giving Joaquin Phoenix Oscar nods. They're already giving this movie Oscar nods. So this movie is go, it goes beyond the comic books. You know what I'm saying? So I think, I think we're going to get fabulous acting. I mean, De Niro's in it, you know what I'm saying? The, uh, you know, I mean, how, how great to have De Niro in, especially if the movie is based or like heavily influenced from Taxi Driver, heavily yeah. influenced from King of Comedy. You know what I'm saying? Like, and De Niro's in it. I mean, like, I don't see where this movie could go wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see it. You know, it's got Oscar nods. It's got 9.7 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it, the, the new film festival I went to, it got like clear standing ovations where people stood up. Well, everybody stood up and literally clapped for like a minute straight. So this movie, I'm wow. going to be such a great movie, dude. And, I, and, and we've been saying this forever, and everybody's been saying it and not. And you know what? I'm just going to be happy to, to the ones that have arguments in, when, with, in work, without a work. I'm going to be elated when I go up to their faces and, and say, I told you so. I'll take a back seat and listen to the pro talk. Yeah. I'm, I'm pumped. And yeah. uh, I think the new trailer kind of got more into Joker's, um, you know, his, like, failed comedy career. And like his side job as a as like you know a clown sign spinner, um, you know we saw that that clip of um, the the night the talk show host being like, oh everybody thinks they can do my job. Look at this guy, and it's him. It's Walking Phoenix. I believe his name is Arthur in yeah. this one. Yeah. And um, like the trailers are doing such a good job because they're not giving anything away. I have no idea what the story's about. I don't know what the plot is. All I know is he goes in as like an unstable person and he's coming out the Joker and it looks like he's inciting mass hysteria on Gotham. And I'm I'm excited to see how it unfolds because I don't know how it's gonna happen. I have no idea. Most definitely. And you know with the with the I'm like you said about the whole failed you know comic routine. I mean that's that's straight out of the pages of like uh, uh, the first Joker appearances. You know what I'm saying? When, yeah. He had a, he was a failed comic. He couldn't make ends meet, and he fell into the wrong people, and then he fell into a vat of, you know, acid. So like, I I feel like they're taking little bits and pieces of that, 
do I think he's going to go into the Veda acid at the end of the movie? I think it'd be kind of cool for him just to like, <laughs> just at the very end, just show him dropping into the Veda acid and then, you know, credits. Because we all know what happens after that. Everybody right. knows what happens after that. So I like this. I like this, like, almost like it's a it's a, the Joker origin beginning roots story. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I'm, I'm so, so excited to see this. I, you know, I it, it just blows my mind how people aren't seeing this. And you know what sucks, too? I think a lot of people aren't really looking, like, at this like it's going to be a good movie because how bad DC's failed in the past few years with the whole um, Justice League Blah, throw out yeah. the window. You know what I'm saying? I think I think this and Wonder Woman are really keeping the uh, DCEU somewhat relevant, and they need to they need to see that these movies, movies like like Wonder Woman, you know, if they do it right, movies like dark movies like uh, Joker, you know, what I'm saying are gonna do mm-hmm. good, and they should go back and see it. It did good for Nolan's Batman. It did good for yeah. the. Burton's 89 Batman. You know what I'm saying? So why not follow that formula? You know what I'm saying? And I hope they stay on course with this whole thing and give us some good DC uh, movies, man, because I think a lot of DC fans, and there's a lot out there, you know, they're 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 chopping at the bits for stuff like this, man. You know? Right. So. And they're, they're getting tired of, of what they've been getting. Right. And um, going right into another area that Mark Hamill has uh, dabbled in. We got the new trailer for Star Wars Episode 9 and um, you know, they, they revealed a bit of stuff, but I feel like there's a lot of um, bait and switch in this in this trailer. I can almost guarantee that Ray unfolding the double red lightsaber, I can almost guarantee that that's a vision being implanted in her mind from Darth Sidious or someone like that, you know? Right. Was that? Um, or, I feel like that's like classic misdirection. Or they're 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 hiding it in plain sight, and she is going to be as the next Sith, and maybe Kylo does switch at the end. Who knows? But that's what that, that's what like great editing on a trailer gives you, because you know right. how, how many times have we seen uh, trailers to movie and we're like, oh, I know what's going to happen, and what's the point? You know, what I'm saying right. like. So, so like you know, you say bait and switch, misdirection. I, you know, it, it, the Joker one too. You know, what I'm saying with this one because, like, the, remember the first, uh, the first um, trailer came out for that uh, for the uh, episode nine, and we heard you know uh, a Palpatine laugh at the end. This one, we heard Darth Vader breathing. So it's like, are they just throwing it in there just just right. because it's? It's the culmination. It's the end. No, no. Right. The Are they not even going to be a part of this film? Right. Is it going to be flashbacks talking about them? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I love it. I absolutely love it. Don't, don't, don't give anything away to me. You know. So. Right. Yeah. To so me, I can't. Like, uh, here's where the first two movies of this trilogy kind of failed. Like you know, in Empire Strikes Back. You know, well, okay, well, even further back in the first Star Wars movie, Darth Vader, even though he killed Obi Wan, he lost because the Death Star was destroyed. Right. But in Episode Five, he he won. You know, like he defeated his son, and you know, kind of implanted something in his mind about joining the dark side. He, he was the first one to put the thought in Luke's mind of 
the power of the dark side or join me and together we'll rule the galaxy. Right. To me, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, while I really liked The Force Awakens as a movie, they failed because Kyle didn't win anything. Like, he's one of my favorite characters of this new trilogy. He is my favorite character of this new trilogy. But he's not going to get his due credit unless he does switch over to the good side at the end and defeat Rey. Because, you know, he lost the battle with Rey in the first one. They kind of, they kind of joined teams for a bit in uh, Last Jedi, but then he got punked fighting the uh, the Force Ghost of Luke or the uh, projection of Luke. Right. And you kind of like lose validation in him as a villain if he doesn't win something, and that's what frustrated me a lot about the second movie of this trilogy because I thought he was going to come back as like a beast like an unstoppable force in the second movie. And, you know, he, he got a bit stronger, but I'm hope I'm hoping that he'll get some kind of moment in this movie because when he first appeared on screen in the force awakens, that's when I like bought in. Like I was kind of iffy on the idea of a new trilogy for star Wars until I was in theaters and I saw his, um, his Y wing descend on the planet and he comes out, and that's when I was like, "All right, I'm I'm in on this 100, percent you know." Right, most definitely. And I think like the reason why you can't have such validation on him yet is because he's such a torn character. You know what I'm saying? Half of him is Vader, half of him is Solo. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, it's so it's like, what pulls him? What pulls him? You know what I'm saying? Is he get pulled more towards being like his mother, his uncle, his father, or is he more toward? Pull, torn I'm being pulled to be his grandfather you know what I'm saying and like when he like what still resonates to me is that when he uh let down to uh Darth Vader's hummus that I'm gonna finish what you started grandfather now what did what did Vader start you know what I'm saying Vader went to the dark side but at the very end at the very end you know what I'm saying he kills Palpatine he right kind of repents you kind of see him with the force ghost you know before they changed it to um to anakin it was yeah hated christensen it was the original guy who played uh you know darth vader in as a fourth force ghost at the end so it's like is he okay so at the end he did good so is that the start is that was he is he talking about i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna start I'm gonna finish what you started. Is it what he started when he joined the dark side, or is it what he started when he right before he died when he started to repent for himself? You know what I'm saying? So it's like that's that's the discussion that's been going on from day one of this trilogy, and that's why to me Kylo is the most important and most interesting character. Like nothing against Ray, I think Ray is a great character, um, and you know her storyline could go any which way in this third movie. But Kylo is what's been keeping me interested because he from day one, it's like, you're, you're exactly right. Which Darth Vader is he following? Is he following or is he following Darth Vader or is he following Anakin Skywalker? You know, which grandfather, I guess, is he following? Right. And, and he's walking that fine line and we don't know. And that's why I think everyone's so like there's no validation yet because you don't know. I don't think anybody knows whether they want him to be bad or good. You know what I'm saying? Because right. there's, there's going to be that there's going to be that time in, in in this number nine coming up where you get to know you get to know where he stands. 
You know, 100, 110% you get to know where he stands right now. Everyone's in the middle because he's in the middle. Right. And we thought we got that moment in The Last Jedi when he surprised killed Snoke. Or not. Yeah, yeah, Snoke. Yeah, it was. Um, but then he also took Snoke's position. He's like, I am now the, um, uh, what's the title? It's like Supreme. Grand, Supreme Leader. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm with you, man. It's just like I, I I think them keeping him like inside, like this is like he's torn inside. His soul's torn. You know, I can feel it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I just hope that him him and him and Hans set it all up, and Hans like fell into a net. But you know, that's just me wishful thinking, right? Right, right. But, but it's like he's so torn, he doesn't even know. You know what I'm saying? That's what gets keeps everybody like, is he or isn't he? And what keeps everybody on their toes with, with Ray is who's her father? Who's her family? How does she have this force in her? Where is it coming from? And then we all know that force isn't everybody. It just might be more. They might have more mitochondrion in their system than not. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> whatever, whatnot. But, you know, that's what makes, you know, to me, I think this trilogy isn't as bad as, you know, everyone, all these 1979, you know, <laughs> the fanboys, fan yeah. you know, wanting to change everything up. It's just like, well, then if you want to change everything up, man, go write stories like George Lucas, go to school like he did, get into cinema, start off low, fight to put your movie into it, and then maybe, uh, I don't know, you can make your movie. And, and you know, I hate people that do that. You know, you yeah. had no part of this movie. This guy put his blood, sweat, tears, his whole life. 40 plus years into this dude and you want to come and say no you shouldn't have done it you should have wrote the movie i made i thought what movie that you should have wrote well then dude go write your own fucking movies excuse my language but yeah so, so that's why i'm like you know what it's not as bad as people think think it is and i feel like you know canon can get switched up for movies because they need to be entertainment purposes if you really want canon go read all the books then you know what i'm saying so you know you know you're not going to get 100 canon in in star wars marvel dc movies they're going to switch it up man right especially with, especially with everybody owning different rights of different characters it's going to have to get switched up if you if you really want to know canon, go back to the comic books go back to the books and read it you know what i'm saying but i'm, I'm excited about this about uh number nine coming out because i want to know the backstories to Kylo and you know, you know, you know, the backstory of Kylo, but I really want to know how he's torn. And I really want to know Ray's backstory. You know what I'm saying? I think it's all going to come to a head at this, at the very end. I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with, uh, with number nine, even the fanboys. Right. It's all about how you wrap it up. You know, right. it's all about how you finish it. So, you know, I love force awakens the last Jedi. Um, you know, I've, I don't hate it, but I, I I wouldn't say I liked it too much. This movie it can it can do a lot of good for me. Hey, if 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 anything, if episode one, as long as you get past episode one, people you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Get past episode one, maybe a little bit of two, and you'll be fine after that. After that, like it's it's all bearable. You know what I'm saying? But like. Yeah, episode one's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough to sit down and watch it. But once you get through it, you kind of have a better idea of how the next eight are going to go. So, yeah, if you can get past one, man, I don't see a problem with anybody getting past. uh, Uh, 28-7 to win over Tulsa. 
you know, there was a lot of mystery around, oh, what's the offense going to look like? Uh, they changed up the staff. They're going to change up the way they call plays. And uh, we got Scooby-Doo because it was more of the same, you know. It's like, <laughs> who's been, who's been uh, haunting us this whole time? And, you know, the gang pulls off the mask and it's Professor Williams, you know. It's like, <laughs> um, I'm really trying not to put too much stock into week one against a lesser opponent like that offense-wise. Defense-wise, I'm all in, dude. I don't care who you're playing. If you hold somebody to negative 73 rushing yards and a net of zero total yards when you take penalties into account, that's that just doesn't happen. You know, uh, Michigan State, offense-wise, you know, I wanted to see if Lewerke was healthy. He looked healthy. It looks like – excuse me. It looks like Lewerke can make the throws. Um, now, if people can hang on to the ball, that's a different story. Uh-huh. But want to see him use his legs more. It looked like he was using his legs when he needed to. I'm, I'm not going to bash him for not running too much against Tulsa. You know, you want to limit the wear and tear uh, until you need it. You know, he doesn't really need to start taking hits until they're at Northwestern and Ohio State and Wisconsin. That's when Lewerke, to me, is going to have to be ground and pound almost. Yeah, so, yeah I, the offensive line. Oh, sorry, go ahead. If you had anything to, to add. No, but just about Lewerke. Yeah, I've, Lewerke looks a lot better. He looked like two years ago Lewerke opposed to last year Lewerke. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I, on that one. He looks a little more mobile. Maybe it's the injuries. Maybe the injuries are, are, are kind of alleviated this year so far. But, yeah, he looks more – mobile more comfortable than he did last year yeah and he really didn't make any bad decisions which pleased me because last year last year he was trying to play to like what he thought he needed to do to be an nfl quarterback and i think he's back to doing what he needs to do to be a good college quarterback true um that that pleased me but it's going to be difficult for him to run for first downs when he's running for his life you know uh, right after the ball is snapped to him. The offensive line is a straight-up mess. Yep. And the offensive staff, everybody's on one-year rolling contracts now. Uh, Mark Staten and Jim Bullman, the, the two main guys who have worked with the offensive line, they got to be out. You can't, you can't have these players just not get developed. And uh, you got some talented big guys, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen, not even on the – two deep and three deep depth chart. You know, Jordan Reed, Tyler Higby, they shouldn't be starting. You know, you look at the size and everything and the experience, mathematically it adds up, but on on the field, they're not playing on paper. It's not adding up on the field. They're just not doing the job. Yeah. Um, Isn't Jordan Reed like a, a originally a guard playing a tackle spot right now? Right. That's another thing is I don't understand why they moved him out to tackle when he's been playing a guard. You know, he played a lot of games as a true freshman two years ago, and I thought he played pretty well. Kevin Jarvis is probably the best offensive lineman right now. He's kind of playing out of position, but I get that because he's more versatile. And I understand right. that Cole Chewins is hurt right now. I understand that A.J. Archery right now is hurt. Those are your two left tackles. And, you know, you got four games to play true freshmen and redshirt them. Why not give Devontae Dobbs a couple snaps, a couple drives? 
why not give uh, Mustafa Khalifa, a redshirt sophomore, more time? Or um, James Ahunba, he's like a 300-pound guy who signed two years ago. Why not give these guys more opportunity? Because the guys you're putting out there are not getting it done. Right. And part of that is the fact that, you know, their top two running backs aren't true running backs. Connor Hayward, I think, is a beast with the ball in his hands in the open field. I mean, did you see the play he made to score the touchdown on the opening drive? Yeah, most definitely. Most right. definitely. I think, right. I, th- I think he's too big. I think you can, you can probably utilize him a little bit more, too. I think he can almost be like a slash tight end because he's almost so big. He, he's, he can, like, he sh- he's like a Jalen Samuels uh, or a Curtis Samuel. Um, he's like that kind, kind of like an H-back. Right, he'll do a lot more than just be a a running back. You know, what I'm saying I think he's I think he's way too big to be a tailback, but I yeah. don't think he's big enough to be like a tight end. You know, what I'm saying so he, he can do he's a lot. Got of- really nice hands. He's displayed good hands. Uh, sit from day one. He he is what he is as a running back. He's not gonna get better at the position. Like you either got it or you don't, and he just right. does not have the vision. Ladarius Jefferson, I think has a much higher ceiling at running back. I really liked what he showed on a couple plays. The guy I really want to see is redshirt freshman Elijah Collins. He had a nice touchdown run that was unfortunately called back. Um, But he's a true running back. You know, right now you can tell he's been playing running back through at least four years of high school and now two years of college, whereas Ladarius Jefferson and Connor Hayward are both kind of working on just being a running back since they got to college. Right. Okay. I can see that. So I'd also like to see some Julian Barnett. Um, He's a wide receiver corner kind of, but if you're lacking, they, they kind of are lacking explosiveness right now. Again, I'm not sure if they're going Manila to, you know, save some things for the Arizona state and Northwestern game where the competition kind of beefs up a little bit. You know, I, I I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking like, is this all that state or even Michigan is going to give up? But then again, they're they're playing, they're playing, you know, these guys in in lower divisions. But these guys are like dogs in their divisions. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's not like we're getting like the 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 bottom of the pool. You know what I'm saying? We're getting the top of the bottom of the pool. If, if that makes sense, kind of. You know. But yeah, yeah no. I'm with you on that one. And then um, defense-wise, I really don't have too many negatives. I think um, deep passing plays were a bit of a weakness, but I don't think many quarterbacks are going to have that much time to really load up and throw it deep on the secondary. So um, that's something they got to work on, but it's not – It's I wouldn't call it an Achilles heel, you know? No, I think, I think you guys are the strongest is your defense. You yeah. guys are strong, strong, definitely strongest as your defense. You're, when you guys came in and everyone's like, okay, Michigan State's going to have a good defense this year. Their offense, questionable. We knew that coming in, and they displayed that coming in. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you knew what you were going to get. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like you said, you're not going to take too much stock into, into week one. But their defense is definitely looking like it could be one of the top defenses in the country. And I, and I thought they displayed a lot of depth on defense which is encouraging uh Antoine Simmons is stepping into the star linebacker position that's the left of the Mike linebacker uh where Andrew Dowell played for the last three years 
and he he just picked up right where Andrew Dowell left off, and he even made some some great highlight plays. He had a sack, he had an interception, he had a uh, I think two tackles for loss. He had a monster hit on special teams. Um, Shakur Brown, the third or fourth corner on the depth chart, had two sacks coming off the edge. Um, <clears throat> Jacob Panashuk, opposite of Kenny Willikis, had a, a sack. So they really got after it. It wasn't just the stars like Kenny and Raekwon Williams and Joe Bocci. They did it with a lot of different people, and that's super encouraging to me as a Spartan fan. So, and also Jake Hartbarger is back as punter. I think people kind of forget that Michigan state went through five punters because of injury last year. So, um, the defense and the special teams for Michigan state, they're at championship level. Um, the offense, they, they don't need to do that much. They just need to be good. You know, I don't need, I don't need the Kansas city chiefs. I don't need, the Oregon Ducks of old. I just need, you know, 27, 28 points. Occasionally give me, occasionally give me 40 points a game. I haven't seen a 40 point game since I was 21 years old for Michigan state. I was a different person back then, man. Right. <laughs> no, but so, that's, that's my take on Michigan state. No. Yeah. And, and I think, I think Michigan state is a sleeper team in the big Ten. I think it's a sleeper team. In, in the nation, man, I don't think you got – you definitely should not count them out, especially with a defensive mind like D'Antonio. But yeah. what I also think that they need to do as a um, as a program is start paying their assistants more. Definitely. Maybe their assistants would have more passion into growing these guys like Reed and developing them on the line better if they were getting paid more. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not, I, I don't feel like they're getting paid enough. And, and I don't care what anybody says. These guys aren't going to come in here and, and, and uh, work for free. And anybody yeah. who is getting paid, you know, competitive prices, you know, along all programs, they're going to work harder for you. They're going to put more passion in, I guarantee it. So I think they need to step back and kind of look at how they're treating or how they're taking care of their assistant coaches and their and their um, coordinators as well. And, I, you know, I, you know, I think Dan Tony is a good dude. Grumpy all the time, but that's cool, man. I'm grumpy all the time myself. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I I still think you guys need a little work in in offense, especially oh, your sure. especially your offensive line. And if your offensive line is is going to be consistently like they are, then you're going to have to ask the defense to do a lot more because they're going to be on the f- uh, field a lot more. And you know that might you know you know, you might drain their batteries. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You might kill them. So then you might have a defense that, that, that looks great on paper, that 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 looks great, you know, in, in the first uh, four or five games of the season. But as it progresses and your offense doesn't progress like your defense, your defense going to have to carry the load. And then there's going to be that divide and, and, and your defense is going to end up looking like a shitty defense when when by all means it's not what it is. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we saw in a lot of Michigan State's losses last year. Right. Uh, Arizona State, they lost 16-13, to 13, but they were winning 13-3 to 3 going into the fourth. Uh, Michigan, they lost 21-7. to 7. It was 7-all uh, with, like, I want to say three or four minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, Ohio State, that was a 7-6 to six ball game before Michigan State 
uh, had a safety on a punt, and then it was nine to six going into the fourth. They lost twenty six to six. Right. Uh, one of which was a defensive touchdown by Ohio State. Nebraska, that I think they were winning six nothing. They lost nine to six. Um, Oregon, they were beating three nothing at halftime. They lost seven to six. You know, um, right. You 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 sounds like you're clocking out Lions losses for the past a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I usually I usually don't take too much stock in press conferences, but Mark D'Antonio had his press conference today on Tuesday, and he was pissed. He, he straight up said he straight up put the offense on notice. He was like, he he broke down what he's built his program on toughness effort you know doing your best to play mistake free playing smart football he said half of the team got it and very clearly half the team didn't i'm just being straight up with it that, that's what he said and and we all and we all know that half that he's speaking at did not get it he's speaking on the offense most right time, very sure. sure yeah right very clearly but yeah and, and i think it, it also uh, starts at the top you know what i'm saying you take care of these uh, coordinators and these coaches. Trust me, it's going to trickle down to these young kids, man. Uh, and I hope State realizes that. Yeah. But um, now on the other side, <laughs> you know, just a few miles away, you know, our boys, uh, my boys, U of M, I was sold a bill of goods again. I wasn't happy at all from what I saw. Um, my def- they, 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 they touted a defense was to be number one in the country. A defense looked like crap. Only ones that really stood out to me was Glasgow. Thank God we have a Glasgow that could actually play football. Um, yeah, the Glasgow's are kind of like the Bullas a little bit. Right, right, right. But but like this is the first one I actually seen on like defense. Other ones were just the linemen. But right. <laughs> but um, he stood out to me. Um, the cornerback uh, Thomas, who got that uh, tough interception that he kind of cut off, cut off that um. That little uh, out, he got the interception on that. And that redshirt mm-hmm. freshman, great. Those are the only guys that really stood out to me that I'm just like, wow, those guys are just, you know, they really stick out to me. Everyone else, man, my de- U of M's defense to me is suspect. It, it's not what everyone says it is. I'm sorry. Love them to death. Not what everyone says it was. Offense, I love our receivers. Mm-hmm. I love, I love, I love uh, Charbonnet. Uh, True Wilson too. I, you know, even that little uh, can't even think of his name. Uh, the, Turner. the Turner, the small dude. Yeah, I, I like their skill positions. Okay, mm-hmm. not so much sold on the offensive line, even though they 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 sort of did their part, but not to the point where I think that Tulsa should have been getting through like they did. I mean, not in Tulsa, uh, Middle Tennessee should be getting Middle through Tennessee. like they did. But it is what it is. I, I'm not too worried about that. What I'm worried about, like what I've been worried about every single season, we talk about this is who is my goddamn quarterback? Who is my quarterback? Because I don't think it should be Shea Patterson. And Shea Patterson came out and was throwing pretty damn good in the pocket. So I was like, okay, maybe this kid learned something. You know what I'm saying? I like what they were doing on offense the first half. You know, a little mm-hmm. direction, but like you said, Maybe they just did they kept it a little vanilla because uh their their real test that they have is two weeks in Wisconsin. So maybe yeah. we're, not gonna, we're not gonna see all the you know all the glitz and glamours of the offense or the high octane offense, what they say, until Wisconsin, which is, I'm fine with at that point. But please, please, please figure out if it's gonna be McCaffrey or Patterson. And McCaffrey, every time McCaffrey was in there, 
I didn't see him throw. He ran, and he runs straight up and down. That boy is going to get his midsection ripped out of his goddamn body if he doesn't start sliding. I'll tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? Because he's going to get wrecked, dude, if he does not dude, start sliding. But That's that's exactly how I feel when Lewerke is diving head and shoulders to the – you know, it's nice that you're diving out, laying your body on the line for the goal line or the first down, but damn, you're the, you're the quarterback, man. Be careful. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I, I really like uh, Charbonnet. I think he's a good runner. I think he, they should have stuck with him. He had 14 yards off his first carry. Man, just stick with him. You know what I'm saying? That, that that 14 yards off his first carry probably was like, all right, I got this now. You know, butterflies might have dissipated a little bit in your stomach. Now, just give it to him. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I yeah. felt like they just used this as a let's see what everyone can do type deal. And that's cool if you're doing it, man. If you're getting ready for Wisconsin and all these tough games coming in, that's fine. But really, I felt like I honestly – you know, the defense wasn't as good as they said it was, just like last year. The offensive line, uh, just like last year. Who's my quarterback? We don't know, just like last year. I'm sick of the same old stuff, you know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, you're going to see bright spots with them all the time, like I said, in, uh, in Thomas, in Glasgow, in Gray. I really liked what I saw out of those guys. My front defensive uh, line, I, they weren't impressive to me. Now, I know I know we lost uh, uh, Rashawn. I know we lost uh, Chase. You know, but still, they, 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 it wasn't what I what I was being sold. You get what I'm yeah. saying? Like I bought into having a good defense, having one of the best defenses in the nation. Uh, O'Hara was running all over us, dude. Like, like if, if O'Hara can run all over us, what do you think is going to happen when we do play Lewerke? Or when we go to or, or, or Ohio State comes up uh, to Ann Arbor and Fields is doing that, please tell me what you're going to do. Because if you guys can stop O'Hara from Middle Tennessee, what are you going to do when Lewerke and Fields are running all over you? And, and I know Fields was just playing Florida Atlantic, but he looked good out there. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? And, like, their defense didn't look as good as – like, like Ohio State's defense was not the Ohio State defense that we've been watching or we've been witnessing for the past decade. You know what I'm saying? They look right. a little suspect, too. But going with their track record over the last decade, I feel like they'll be able to bounce back. And Fields being a transfer, man, boy, he looked really good. So what are we going to do when we get to those those quarterbacks, when we get to the little rookie types, when we get to the field sites? What's going to happen there? Because if you let little O'Hara from Middle Tennessee do this to you, what what's going to happen when we pay some competition? And that's my concern, and that's always my concern. I think it's everybody's concern. I mean, you can turn on a Big Ten network. You can turn on any sports station in uh, Metro Detroit, in, in, the, in the whole state of uh, Detroit they get, uh, or the state of Michigan, they're going to tell you the same flipping shit. They're going to tell you the same, 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 same stuff. We got kind of sold a bill of goods, man. I'm not really seeing what Michigan's all about. I feel like it's the same team from last year minus some stud players. And, you know, everyone knows that Michigan always beats these fluff teams. But when it comes to State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Wisconsin's, Penn State's, they seem to – get their asses handed to them, dude. And I'm I'm honestly tired of seeing that. And like you said, I'm not going to take too much stock in a week one, but this mm-hmm. is week one and we are talking about it. And I want to and, – and, and these are the things that alarm me. So right. 
I just want to see. I just want to see. To be honest with you, I want to have a set quarterback. I don't want this tandem quarterback uh, thing going on. And I need a defense to step up and be who the nation says they are. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I don't mind our secondary as much. It's my defensive line and my interior linebackers. Even though even though Glasgow's looking a lot better, I need to see more out of them. Need to see more out of them. My cornerbacks, I kind of like my cornerbacks. You know what I'm saying? Metellus, um, you know, Hill, Gray. Yeah. Uh, I like this new Thomas dude. I think I think he's uh I think he's a longer cornerback. I think he can like like I said, I bang with the hybrid receivers. And I like that. You know what I'm saying? So it's I like there's a lot of good things I saw, but I just want to see the defense, the defensive line, and our linebackers, our interior linebackers, fucking blow up. And I want to see a quarterback. Give me a quarterback. I don't care what you do at this point. But you, right now, Harbaugh is showing us that he is also indecisive at the number one spot on your on your on your team. You know, what I'm saying the quarterback position. It's the number mm-hmm. one position. You know what I'm saying so he's even indecisive about it, or like you said, they're just being vanilla because they got two throwaway games until they, you know, actually play some comp. So I don't know. That's where I am on Michigan at this point. That's fair. That's fair. And you know, some of the one of the most common phrases in college football is the biggest improvement is made between week one and week two. I'm certainly hoping I see a lot of improvement from my team. And, um, you know, I know you were hoping for the same. Both teams, they looked a little bit vulnerable. But to me, I don't think anybody in the Big Ten East uh, really separated themselves too much. I don't think anybody was actually playing a real team uh, on on this side of the Big Ten. So, Right. Right. That's true, too. You know. Like he, like we even said, uh, Ohio State didn't look like Ohio State. So yeah, we could they they could be holding, they could be pulling punches. We don't know. Um, I just hope they're pulling punches. Maybe not yeah. Ohio State. Ohio State swinging for defenses. You know what I'm saying? But I I wouldn't mind if MSU and uh, U of M are pulling punches. You know what I'm saying? Just uh, not to show you know all, all the hands in their you know in uh, all the cards in their hand at the moment. So. Yeah, I, I hope that's the route they're going to, because if not, we're kind of screwed this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, we're in the same boat. Two of the Matt, Patric- Matt Patricia experiments in Detroit, you know, trying to become the the Detroit Patriots or the New England Lions. Ooh, ooh. But uh, we're trying to do it the Patriot way. It's um, it's not really working out too well so far. No, it's not working out uh, well at all, man. And, you know, it's going to boil down to the fact that we've had shitty quarterback play my whole life and we had shitty secondary play my whole life, and I don't see nothing changing. I don't absolutely see nothing changing, man. And the Patriots way, sick of hearing the Patriots way. I just read an article on ESPN, the ESPN simulator, has a line starting out zero and eleven. Oh, oh no! Oh, oh yes! You know <laughs> oh, no. I didn't a, see that coming. <laughs> this is the same simulator that ESPN had that that had uh, beast mode uh, running in the touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, so I mean, it's it has oh. it has its you know it's 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 it has its merits. It has its merits. It doesn't, but. 
what's our track record with the Lions? When I see that, you know, it just hits a – it felt like I got stabbed in the stomach with a hot poker. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, again, and it and it's been like that every single year for me since I was like eight. Again, 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 again. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so what do you think it takes for Matt Patricia to not be the Lions head coach next season? Oh, uh, to them – Attempt to have like a 500 season, miss the playoffs. Okay, absolutely, so he, but but they're not gonna do that to him because the Fords are you know loyal to a fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think when do I think this will go? And and a lot of people will be like, oh, stupid conspiracy theorist, theorist, this, that. I honestly think that the Lions need to be sold from the Fords. I, I do not think the Ford name should be attached to them anymore. I think I th- I honestly think it's like bad juju. I you know, and people be like, well, it's stupid. It's a-. well, it's the only thing that only thing that's consistent in the Lions, right? It's being consistent is the is the Fords have the owned Ford name. Yeah, right, the Fords have owned them ever since. What I think I think the uh, what what the conspiracy theorists say is that uh, William Clay bought the Lions on the day. JFK got assassinated. <laughs> so they're trying to say, oh, oh, you know, it's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big, you know, conspiracy theory. But you know what, man? I mean, shit. <laughs> it's lasted a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not one to uh look past curses and stuff like that. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm religious to a point, but I'm not gonna sit and say curses aren't real, man. Dude, that's like, dude, there's like plenty of teams that you know, got cursed. I mean, look at uh, the Red Sox. They got cursed for training uh, uh, Babe Ruth, man. And then, you know, that curse lasted how long? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I I just, in my heart, dude, they're the only constant in this program. Fords need to sell them and, or, and go a different way because maybe it's the way the Fords go about their business when it comes to football, you know, you know, automobiles, man, they're killing it on the automobile end, but on the football end, you know, they might just be like, Hey, we just have a lot of money. We'll just throw a lot of money at it. You know what I'm saying? And nothing's yeah. really changing. So that's, um, yeah, that's kind of sub- the 0-1-11 start projection because I think their defense has really beefed up over the off season. I, I know the, the Jared Davis injury is, is a blow like that. That sucks. But uh, the D-line, you know, you bring in Mike Daniels from Green Bay. You give Snacks Harrison an, an, a year, of, like a kind of a prove-it deal, but also a reward deal. Right. You bring in Trey Flowers. Um, you know, you still got Deshaun Hand, Sean Robinson. I really like those pieces. Um, you know, the D-line, I think, is going to be a strength. The O-line um, – I don't know. I don't really know what they did to replace um, TJ. Uh, shit. What's Lang. TJ Lang. Thank you. Uh, I don't really like what Rick Wagner is bringing to the table right now. Uh, they got a. They got one of the Glasgow brothers. Yeah. Uh, they got. I think. I think his first name is Swinging Door. Swinging Door Glasgow. <laughs> That's the name I like Frank Ragnow and I like Taylor Decker. Um. I'm actually in conversations to be like one of the regulars on the O line, so um, I'm looking to, yeah, I'm looking to parlay that into a contract extension at work and a raise. But for you, good for you. Do you have an agent? <laughs> do you have an agent? 
You know, well, I'm in the market. I'm I'm gonna talk to LeBron's agent uh, right Rich after Paul. he's done. Rich Paul. <laughs> <laughs> right after LeBron's done um, stealing Taco Tuesday from everybody. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, we we were mad at the Lions for taking T.J. Hawkinson at eight. I still am not sure that's a great move, but from what I've heard from practices and the preseason. Stafford and Hawkinson, they've got a good thing going between them early on. And if that can grow into something, then that could be special because I don't really like the wide receivers they have. I don't like bringing in an older Dan, Danny Amendola. I, I like Kenny Galladay and I like Marvin Jones, but outside of those two, I don't really know what weapons you, you have on the wide receiver end. And then um, really like um, carry on Johnson. I think, He's going to be one of the bright young backs in the NFL. I hope but, so. But they could have done more behind him. Um, C.J. Anderson, he, he just doesn't cut it as as a backup. You know, he, he had a nice run with the Rams for, like, the last four weeks of the season. But that doesn't mean he can do it consistently over a 16-week season when you need him to. So, that's, that's surprising to me because I think this could be a fringe playoff team if they're mentally strong. But, you know, mental toughness, that hasn't always been the Lions' forte. Right. Um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, this would be a prove-it year for not just Stafford, but also Patricia and Bob Quinn, you know, in a perfect world. But you mentioned it. It's the Fords. It's the Lions. I think they all feel pretty safe in their jobs, right? And and I don't want to be like, oh, the Ford's curse is like a, it's like a, it's like a such it's such a cop out. It's such like a it's like an easy thing to go to, you know what I'm saying? But like when you've exhausted everything, every single year you've exhausted every single nook and cranny and why they're bad, and the only thing that seems to slap you in the face every single year is that Martha Ford is still there with her spaceman spiff glasses on, and stuff still isn't you know the, the ship is not writing itself you know what i'm saying so yeah i so, I, can't, I can't help but kind of be a conspiracy theorist when it comes to that so straight up they're playing the arizona cardinals week one out in it out in the desert kyler murray is a first year quarterback cliff kingsbury is a first time nfl head coach last year the cardinals had one of the worst offensive lines in football uh that's why my boy josh rosen didn't put up great numbers uh, Defensive-wise, they're nothing to brag about either, and Patrick Peterson isn't going to be playing. How do the Lions do on Sunday? Well, seeing that the last time the Lions opened up against a team that was starting a rookie for the first time, they got their asses kicked. Talking about Sam Darnold and Jets. So you know yeah. what? What makes me think that Kyler Murray can't do the same thing? That's fair. You know what I'm saying? And and plus they got uh David Johnson in the backfield. They got they got Larry Fitzgerald who's you uh you know like Larry or not, I don't think how anybody can't like Larry on or off the I field. I love I love Larry. Right, Larry Legend on or off the field, man. The guy is, you know, you, you know, your your prototypical professional when it comes to this, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they have people themselves. Kyler Murray's number one pick stud. So I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona didn't win this. Um, I think Lions can win this, to be honest with you. But I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. 
You know what I'm saying? J- just like I wasn't surprised when I saw the uh, the ESPN simulation go zero and eleven. They ain't shit new. I've seen them go winless the whole the whole year. It's nothing new. Yeah, I've seen that. And you know what? And I'll- that's sad. That's sad when we see a, a projection like eleven oh and eleven for the Lions and be like, ah, hmm, yeah, I could see it. That's I'll say what they have now that they didn't have against the Jets last year. They didn't have Snacks Harrison. They didn't have Mike Daniels. And um, Deshaun Hand was still pretty inexperienced, and so was Carryon Johnson. Right. And um, I'm, I'm not letting them off the hook at all because that Monday night game last year was a straight-up joke. <laughs> um, but that was the worst game I've ever seen from Matt Stafford. Right. Ever. Um, so unless he comes out and replicates that, I think the Lions will be coming home 1-0. But you know, I'm not. I'm not putting any money on it, <laughs> by no means. Oh, mo- most definitely. And we're gonna we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out what goes on. So, uh, the Lions. I'm I'm kind of. It's it's just the, the Lions. You know what I'm saying? It's just as bad as it sounds. You know, it's the Lions. Though, if if they do, if they go old eleven to begin with, you're gonna be like, oh, huh. oh, Patricia's got to be gone at that point. If at you- that point. If if they go zero and six to begin with, Patricia's got to be gone. They, what was the record last year? They were five and eleven or six and ten. Yes. So if he gets to the point where he starts off the first five, six, seven weeks like losing or or two and five or something, you're gonna have to look to get get rid of him mid mid season. Right, and, and that's when you start talking about the draft picks. Like, oh, we're gonna be uh, picking number two or number one potentially. You know, like. After that kind of start, like that's that's really what you're talking about, right? And this draft is full of quarterbacks. It is full of them. So I think I think that I think this is going to be a make or break year for uh, Matthew Stafford and Patricia. And if I was a Lions organization, if if I was Martha, I'd, we lose this year. Everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. Yeah, in a perfect world. In the perfect world, everybody's got. You know what I'm saying? When you hold people's feet to the fire and you hold them accountable, trust me, dude, they work a whole lot uh, more with determination. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but but that's why I hate why they kept uh, Jim Bob Cooter last year. Because now it's like, oh, we're breaking a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive system. It's like, yeah, well, you should have been doing that last year. You shouldn't have let Matthew Stafford – uh, be an earworm and uh, convince you to keep Jim Bob Cooter around because that was a disaster and it was a built-in excuse. Right. And and the Fords need to need to let football people handle football people situation. When they don't handle when they don't handle football people situations, I mean it's just shitty, dude. Real shitty. Not to get too into Detroit sports, but it's the same thing with Tom Gores and the Detroit Pistons. But, oh yeah, no. That's a, that's a conversation for another. But one. at least Goris said, "Hey Stefanski, come in, do your thing." You know what I'm saying? At least Goris is kind of taking a seat back, and we kind of see it because he's kind of letting Stefanski and um, what's his face, the, uh, Dwayne C- Casey, kind of pick their squad, pick their players. So I'll give Goris. He's yeah. kind of, kind of giving the uh, them reins to do it, full reins. He should just drop full reins uh, off. I think. A owner should hire the people that are going to do the job and doesn't need to be a micromanager. You know what I'm saying? I don't think we have that luxury here in Detroit for the Pistons or the Lions. And like you said, that that's that's a, a story for another time. Definitely. Um, so I think that's everything we want to get to. Um, 
You guys can catch Sasha on Talk and Shoot every Sunday morning, right? Every Sunday morning, um, 11 to 1. 11 to 1. Uh, coming soon, me and uh, our good friend Mike. He's a friend of the show. Uh, if you've been listening to us for a while, you've heard him on here a couple times. We're going to be starting a new podcast soon uh, called the Paul Bunyan Podcast. Basically, we're just going to be me and him nerding out on all things Michigan and Michigan State. Kind of what we do here. Um, but going to be like laser focused then on those two teams. So gotcha. Uh, that'll be coming at you guys soon. Uh, so look forward to that. And yeah, this is Beers for Raider, everybody. You know what it is. You know what it is. And we'll see you next time. If you want to see Paul Bunyan himself, take your butt to Ann Arbor, baby. <laughs> <laughs> for now. For now? For now, man. <laughs> All right. All right, man. All right. Take care.